Good morning. Excellent. Very good. So a good uh, entrepreneurial tip is start on time. So we are right now at 45, 10.45. We want to start on time. So before we begin, I'm going to ask Danny, and then we'll present ourselves and start, but I'm going to ask Danny to have a word of prayer. Let's all bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to be here at uh, this national ASI convention here in Houston. Lord, we thank you for the chance to, uh, to stop and, and think about some successful tips and ways uh, to, to be more effective and better in our business um, as entrepreneurs. And uh, Lord, we know that all of this wisdom comes from you, so we thank you for it and ask that you would be here to impress our minds, uh, to speak through us, and um, just to be in this place. We thank you for hearing and answering this prayer in your name. Amen. All right, everybody. Well, first of all, thank you very much for uh, choosing our seminar and for your interest in this topic. For us, is an honor. There's three of us here, and all of us are going to present, hopefully, in a balanced way, so no special time for anybody, and everybody's going to share uh, their thoughts. Uh, we prepare this together, and we're going to present ourselves a little bit, our background, why we're here and why we believe this topic is so important, okay? Um, a couple of uh, suggestions about the flow of this presentation. Uh, we're gonna do it in a very informal way, and especially we're gonna share some more uh, personal experiences. So uh, you're welcome to interject and ask questions at um, any point. Well, I hope I'm not, uh, I, I hope I don't repent from that because sometimes it really you know, breaks the flow. But if that happens, we also won't be shy and tell you that we have to move, okay? And at the end, we also have some uh, little longer uh, Q&A session. But again, uh, each topic, you will see that's probably you know, a good opportunity to have some feedback from the others. Is that fine? Okay. So I want to hear your feedback at every moment. It's important in any presentation. We look each other in the eyes, all right? Don't get sleepy. If you're sleepy, we're going to wake you up, okay? Great. So to start with, uh, my name is Ruben Diaz. I was born in Portugal. I'm Portuguese. That's why I have this terrible accent. Uh, I live in Canada, and I've been living in Canada with my family for the last uh, almost five years. I've been very blessed. I started my first um, company when I was 21, I'm 47. I don't like 47, right? I don't look like 47. But I started when I was 21. I was in my last year of college. I did business school, I did it in Europe. And I thought that I was never going to work for anybody. And uh, beside planting pines in Alabama, when my parents studied at Angie University, I planted like 100,000 pines in Alabama, uh, and washing dishes and painting houses, those really good jobs. It gives you good work ethics. Uh, actually, I was an entrepreneur since I was um, uh, 21. And I've been very blessed. I um, started more than 10 companies, and I sold uh, successfully four of those. And lately, the last two or three years, I've been uh, running a venture capital firm, and we invest in early stage uh, tech firms. So that's basically it in a nutshell where I'm coming from. I, I'm passionate about ASI. I was ASI vice president in Europe when I live in Europe, and now I live in North America. I've been attending ASI US for about 12 years. 
So this is really our DNA as a family to be always part of ASI. We have excellent friends at ASI, all of you. Some of them we know for many, many years. Actually, Michael, we went to school almost together. You were in, a, in Andrews Academy in 87, right? Uh, so some of us uh, know each other for a long time. And with me is two very good friends. They're going to present themselves as well. It's uh, Danny Houghton and uh, Jared Thurmond. Okay, his name is always hard for me. But they will uh, let you know a little bit about background. Go ahead, Danny. Sure. Uh, my name is Danny Houghton. And, um, yep, it's not working. Um, and this is actually my 34th ASI convention in a row. I started coming when I was seven years old, and I, I absolutely love um, ASI. So, um, you know, my background a little bit, uh, I've kind of grown up in a supporting ministry, working with my, my dad at uh, Heart Research Center and some of the various uh, ministries that were subcomponents of that. Um, have spent some time in the IT world, um, helping build a, a, a global platform for websites called NetAdvanist that has been deployed in, in many different uh, divisions around the world. But most recently, I was a, a co-founder of a company called One Degree Organic Foods. Um, and currently serve as the Vice President of Sales for Vibrant Health Products, which is a family of, of brands um, that mostly make gluten-free and sprouted whole grain breads. And so uh, my background kind of encompasses some of those various elements. I'm still working and building those, uh, those businesses today. And uh, I hail from Linden, Washington, uh, where my wife and I live. I'm an international commuter, so I cross the Canadian border uh, every day to go to work. And, um, and the, the really thing that I've been excited about lately is I've had my first son. My wife and I uh, welcomed Andrew Hudson. He's four months old. Um, his first flight on a plane was coming to an ASI convention. And so uh, we're, better, we're... Better late than never. You <laughs> <laughs> decide. That's good. Easy, Reuben. It's early. <laughs> but uh, very, very happy to be here. Let's test mine. Yeah, there we go. Good morning. Nope, nope. Uh, my name is Jared Thurman. I have had the privilege of growing up in a Seventh-day Adventist home, homeschooled, and then on to one of our academies, and then on to Southern. My parents were high school graduates um, who just learned to hustle. And so I grew up in a home where it was always hard work and then serving the church in a variety of capacities. I graduated school and got into assisted living community development and got out of that and have been in a number of ventures since, um, creating anything from soil to a juice company to some other things with uh, health and wellness. I currently have the joy of serving with the Adventist Review team in the area of innovation, and there are some very cool things that your church is up to that you're going to see in the coming months. So I'd love to talk to you more about that. But I'm excited to be here. Uh, my favorite quote in the whole world is from the book Christ's Object Lessons, page 349. Religion and business are not two separate things. They are one. Excellent. Now that we're presented, we just go for it, right? Um, also, I'm going to give you the background of uh, what type of presentation we're going to share with you and uh, what was our inspiration. So we were asked to share with you the top tips for entrepreneurial success. 
and uh, that is a very broad uh, subject, right? And we thought that it was really important, given the context, that we would be inspired by Scripture and the Spirit of Prophecy. And so we did it in a very uh, simple way, let's put it this way. Uh, we divided in some topics, so we chose, we're going to share with you 15 points that we believe are really important, but they relate to our own experiences, okay? So don't take this as, oh, those are the 15 points, right? If I don't make those, or, oh, he didn't mention that one. He didn't mention that one. No, these are the points that have worked for us, okay? So we're going to share our own experience, and we look at our, you know, relatively short life. We're in the 40s, and we look back and say, okay, this has worked for us. That's what we're going to share with you, and a little bit of our own experience. And then if you have anything to share, uh, please uh, do so, okay? That's the, the flow of the presentation. And each one of these topics, um, I, we believe that the Bible and the spirit of prophecy are really incredible business books. Incredible. Um, some of these scriptures and, and the, the verses that we see in the Bible, isolated by themselves, we could be hours studying business around them. And then we have stories in the Bible, so we have experiences of people that really were inspired by God and have shared through Scripture. And when we read it, we look at it and say, man, I could really apply this in business. And that core of principles are the ones that are going to keep going back and forth and going back to those. And those are the roots of this presentation, okay? So that is, uh, for no more delay, we just jump to the first one. First is very simple, and you're going to see very simple things here. Again, you know, and uh, we, uh, I've always been told I like this, like the, in natural medicine and what we believe, um, you know, if you go to the doctor and if it's very complicated to give you a prescription or something, he's a good doctor, right? He's a very good doctor. But if you go there and say, you know, just eat well, exercise, ah, he's not a good doctor, right? But if you apply those things, Super simple, you're going to be healthy, right? So the same thing with the entrepreneurial um, uh, topics. The first top, the point is set goals. Anything in life, you really have to know where you want to be in today, tomorrow, this week, next month, this year, in three, five, ten years. You know, when I was like, 23, 24, I was starting my first business, I made a list of 10, 15 things that I wanted to achieve or stage in life that I wanted to achieve in 10 years. And I look at that list many times over those 30 years. It was very critical for me because they were anchor points. I wanted to achieve certain things, not necessarily only monetarily and financially, but I wanted to achieve those points at a certain time frame. So you have to also relate to these set goals, quantify what I want to achieve. You know, best or good or better is not really something. You got to say how much exactly you want to achieve and then when you want to achieve it. There's a, a, a proverb in the Bible that says in Proverbs 25, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to 
poverty. And I went up and looked at what does haste mean. It looks like in English, it's like, I just want to do it very quickly, and I don't think about it, I don't plan, I just want to get over it, right? Uh, plans need some thought and really deep thinking. You got to think on these, this very important plan. Danny, what has been your experience on setting plans and setting up the brand, for example, that you're leading? So when we looked at founding One Degree Organic Foods, we saw that the, the marketplace where we worked, which was in the food industry, was beginning to start moving towards something called farm-to-table. Are you all familiar with farm-to-table, the idea that you know where your food is coming from? And so we said, hey, we want to be disruptive, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And, and we said, we want to set a goal of being the first brand that allows you to trace every single ingredient in every product back to its source. And that was the goal that we set for ourselves. And we said, well, how are we going to do that? One of the things that's key about setting goals is you don't know whether you've established a successful, you have to measure yourself against the goal, and that's how you define whether you've been successful or not. And so it took us two years to get to a point where we felt we could actually make the first product that was 100% traceable. So we had to put a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort into that. And that was something that was truly disruptive in our marketplace. A lot of people were talking about farm to table, and you could see that happen in certain limited scopes. But to be able to trace it all the way and have that technology built and, and the plan to be able to execute it in that way gave us kind of a first, first mover advantage in, in looking at how we launched One Degree Organic Foods. But it all started from that goal of saying, hey, we want to do something different. We want to do something that's the head of the curve and what we see coming, and we want to execute that in a flawless way. So setting goals are something that are really a, a critical, critical component of any successful entrepreneurial venture. Jerry, you want to add something on this point? Are you fine? Okay, let's move to the next one. Next, next number two, focus. We put a picture of a pilot here. It's on purpose because uh, if you don't focus when you're flying, Danny and I were pilots, and uh, if you don't focus, you're basically going to die. You're in trouble, right? Um, you can, certain things in life, you can't multitask. Again, when I was in the 20s, I was a strong believer in multitasking. Man, I can do everything, and I can do everything at the same time. And there's a truth to that. Yes, I like to multitask. I, got, I, got a, I like a lot of things in my, in my plate, let's say. But I have learned with a little bit more experience in life, I'm getting to my 50s, that uh, if you really don't focus, and there's something that is related to focus, you know, Jared, which is focus is related to energy, right? How much energy you put on things, how much effort you put on things, how much do you really uh, commit? Because if you don't commit, the results are not going uh, to pop up. They're just not going to happen. And so this, this idea of Let's commit and focus on achievement is super simple, but if you don't do it, nothing is going to happen. What are your thoughts about that? And I'm just going to also share some, a quote that's probably going to help you on that, yep. which is Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in soul to which you're going. So basically, you're going to die, right? So whatever you do here you really have to commit and put your mind to. So I'm a big fan of cage rattling. So if I say anything that rattles any cages, I will feel like mission accomplished. <laughs> a lot of times we 
seek to multitask in thinking that is a skill, when really we're not good at one thing. And I, this particularly happens in health food, in Adventism. I make the best cookies in the world. I make the best X. Really, they're the best? Oh, yeah, all my friends and family say they're the best. And the best is when people call you and say, hey, I know it's rush hour, but I want to pay you for X, and I'm going to drive across town to buy that from you because your stuff is addictive. <laughs> We're often not the best. And I think it's because we don't often apply this of, what is that thing I feel the Lord has called me to, and how do I become the best at it? And that is a focus that, that really could drive us to do things better than we do. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, you know, I think that today's modern society, with the constant interruptions of social media, can sometimes drain us of focus. You know, you think about, you're sitting there working on your computer, and you start seeing, you know... How many of you can relate to seeing those emails constantly popping in, and all of a sudden you see that email, and boom, you're off another track. Something else comes in, a calendar invite, boom. And, and it seems as almost, it's, it's kind of designed to break down our focus, right? And so, you know, one of the things that I have just recently started instituting to, to try and make my frontal lobe be a little bit sharper and work more effectively is to, is to actually shut those off so I don't see those coming in. I actually was talking with uh, Dr. Neil Nedley about this, and he said it's, it's scientifically proven that multitasking is less efficient for your frontal lobe than focus. You can be more efficient if you're able to focus on a single task and move from one box to the next rather than trying to, to dabble in four or five boxes at the same time. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be inquisitive and, and have a broad-ranging you know, uh, set of questions or ideas where we can learn multiple things and combine them. But when you sit down to do something specific, you should focus on that specific task, do it to the best of your ability, and then move on to the next thing. Danny, if I could just throw yeah. one more idea in there. I think a good example of this would be this recent deal with Amazon acquiring Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. Amazon clearly could have said, let's get into the retail space. There are retail shops everywhere closing. We'll go in there, we'll add refrigerators, and we'll do this. Too often in the Adventist church, I see competition that is unnecessary. Mm -hmm. You're mediocre, I can be a little better mediocre, and together we can be mediocre. Rather than what Amazon saw was, you're doing something very well, we'd like to join you mm -hmm. and do it better. Mm -hmm. And I just want to put that out there as a challenge. We need some mergers and acquisitions in Adventism. <laughs> That's a good point. To combine talents and focus on something, and so that when people say, who does this the best? They do. Who does this the best? They do. Very good point. I want to go back to what Danny shared about social media. You know, and this is more for the young people. I see some young people down back there. Um, you know, recently I had an intern. You said an intern? In, intern? Uh, I had an intern. You know, a good guy, young guy, just graduated. Uh, and he was uh, working in the corporate finance. We have a, you know, a team of corporate finance because we have to analyze and do number crunchings of the companies they were going to acquire or not. And um, he had, you know, good brains, but he was constantly working like this, right? So he was working, beep, beep, right? And it's impossible to, it's just impossible to be effective, efficient. So after you had to let them go just because of that. He could not just be focused. He could, uh, his uh, attention span was constantly being broken by uh, social media. And I think, especially for the young people, that is a tremendous challenge. When you go to the workplace and you're not ready for it because you think that this is possible, this behavior is possible, 
you're going to pay a big check. And in his case, he had an opportunity in front of him, but we had to let him go. So let's move and focus on the next point. Uh, the next point is perseverance. Uh, here is an image of a girl that is doing push-ups. How many of you like to do push-ups? <laughs> love to do it. I love to do them. I do it, uh, yeah, I think I do like 100 a day. Doesn't seem like a very weak, but yeah, I do those. And we'll get to that point a little bit later, but <laughs> more specifically. But it doesn't look like it, but I do. Uh, but the push-ups is in a good image of perseverance. You need to really persevere. I mean, have you done, when you do push-ups, you get to 15, 20, 25, 30, is that another five. And it's, you know what? I found that it's actually true that it's a lot in your brain. It's more in your brain than what you think. Because sometimes we think that the body can't handle anymore, but you think, oh, my target is 30. So you wind number 25, five to go, four, three, right? And you're there, one, that last one is the most horrible one. Isn't that true? What they say is pain is weakness leaving the body. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. But if you set your mind that, I've tried this with my mind, is instead of a 30, let's do 50. It's going to happen, I won't say 500, right? <laughs> it's going to happen very near the 50 because your body, your mind is programmed in a way that you're going to persevere until your milestone. You know, you set that goal. So in business, I have found many situations that success was really around the corner. You know, I had the last company I sold quite successfully, we struggled a lot. We struggled a lot. And in 2010-11, I almost quit because we had tremendous competition. And we thought, this is, gonna this is an endeavor that is almost impossible. But I kept on persevering, 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 and spending a lot of energy and money. And we successfully sold in 2015. And that is, there was a tremendous lesson because I was about to quit. I was really about to quit. And in business, the, there's... These are moments that you think, you know, I can't handle this anymore. But if you really come back to plan, you say, I've been sticking to the right things. And there's things that take time. That's another point a little bit further. Jerry, you want to add anything about perseverance? That's fine. Okay, you, Danny? Um, I find that sometimes, and I don't want to be negative on the younger generation, but um, sometimes, I, you know, I'll, I'll give an example. Uh, we recently hired a new college graduate in our marketing team. And um, it, it came back to me that she had come up to her direct supervisor and said, hey, it's, it's 3.30 on Friday. It's only an hour and a half. I'm done with my work. Can I go home? And I found out later and I said, I hope you didn't let her go home. You know, the idea is, is you need to stay there till 6 o'clock not five o'clock. And, and so when you find somebody that has that type of persevering attitude where they're willing to really stick it out and go the extra mile, that's, that's, the, that's a, a pre-entrepreneur that's already working themselves into an entrepreneurial space in their head. Yeah. And we have an excellent quote from Randall White here on the screen and talks about perseverance. It says, success is not the result of chance or of destiny, it is the outworking of God's own providence, the reward of faith and discretion, a virtue and persevering effort. 
So if there's no persevering effort, the results won't happen. Uh, it takes a lot of sweat. It takes a lot of tears sometimes. But really, it pays off. And remember that it's not, some of you that remember math, sometimes it's not linear. So that it doesn't grow as much in time as it grows every second. Sometimes it's just exponential. The, the longer it takes, the harder it is, and the more energy it requires. That's just how life works. So perseverance is very directly associated with entrepreneur success. If you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to stick with results, you got to really persevere. Point four, four point, fourth point. This is a very risky situation to be in. I don't know if this is photoshopped or not, this photo, but this is crazy. Actually, uh, there is, I, I have a company in Dubai, and I go to Dubai very often, and the, um, the prince, the son of the emir there, he has hanged out like this from the tallest world, uh, building in the world. He has a photo like this. I didn't get this photo. But, it, it, you know, there's a lot of risk in this photo. And I just loved it, and we thought we're putting it in. And number four is embrace the risk. And I put it on purpose, embrace risk. Because risk, we look at it and say, risk is bad, right? Oh, risk. Oh, it's risky. Isn't it? It's risky. So our brains are programmed that anything that is risk, oh, I want to avoid it. Avoid risk. But it's very simple. Is there reward without risk? Don't think so. Don't think so. Uh, that's why uh, the word embrace is in a positive race. Embrace risk. So you see it as your friend. And we put a quote on, on screen, but Jared... Why don't you share something about your thoughts of risk? And you have taken some risks in life as well, right? Sure, yeah. There's a statement Ellen White makes. She says, someone must venture. Someone must take risks in this cause. I have an, an opinion, and that is all it is. We are very risk-averse. Mm -hmm. You when, share that with me. Yeah. When, I, when I hear about all the things going on, I don't hear anything risky with, ooh, if that fails, that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I can tell you in, in the last 20 years of my life, if I told you about all the ventures, I have more failures than successes. And I've learned from those failures. And, and you could call them expensive educational endeavors. <laughs> but it's easy to call them failures. If you, if you look at Christ, we should be the, the greatest risk takers in the world. He leaves everything and says, I'm going to risk it all on these people. That spirit would do some mighty amazing things in the movement if we embraced it more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're very naturally averse to risk. Uh, we think that risk is bad, so we just program that way. Yes, go ahead. That's a very good question. That's a tricky question. Because one thing is to manage your risk, another thing is to manage somebody else's risk, right? But I assume that if somebody is investing in you, it's no longer only you know, one person's risk, but it's both risks, right? So they have done their due diligence. And there is risk of investing in anything. We invest in companies, and we buy, and we sell. And obviously, we have to be responsible for what we do in terms of our due diligence. But, you know, 
when you do any investment, any type of investment, you invest in your case and uh, in your organization, uh, you can't take for granted that it's going to be a success. That's the whole point of the risk, right? And we have a point a little bit further that connects to that. I don't want to open it, but it has, you have to really be prepared for any outcome. Seriously. Because we think that only success, success is the only outcome. So I think, no, I invest in this, I expect this, that's it. Now, if that was the case, then there's no risk, then there's no reward. Reward is associated with risk. And usually the ratio is the higher the risk, the higher the reward. We have done investments that it has been 1 to 20, 1 to 40. That means we put 1, we take 40 out. That's very risky. It's very risky. But we, we know that once we get into that investment, we might lose it all. So that balance is also how much risk you're willing to take, what is the experience you have with risk, but embrace the risk that you're taking. So you don't fight against it because you have done your homework. You, have, you don't fear it. I find it interesting, um, in Matthew 17, 20, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You know, when you, you think about that, you, you, you actually put yourself in the frame of saying, I'm going to have this mountain move. Now, you know, Jesus was speaking in, in, um, in a different term, maybe not referring to a physical mountain, but the idea there is, is it's risky. It's something that he's saying, don't be afraid to try for something that may be audacious. You know, in, in the entrepreneurial space, we talk about BHODs, the big, hairy, audacious idea, right? Something that really, really stretches you. And, and that often is where the, the, the max reward is at. And uh, embracing the risk, I think, also involves um, educating yourselves about what the risks are and how to manage those successfully as you move, as you move through them. Let me throw one more thing in there. Ecclesiastes is a, is a fascinating business book. There are some principles in there. One of them I think of is the concept of cast your bread upon many waters. Mm -hmm. You don't know what will prosper, this or that. Mm -hmm. And so to, to your question, something I asked Bill Knott when I started working with the Adventist Review, tell me about all the failures in the last few years of the Adventist Review. When you get up to a certain level in church leadership, failures disappear. And I would say, how do, we, how do we challenge that? I think it's, let's plan for 10 things in the next five years. If we get 10 success stories, we should question if we're really risking anything. Mm -hmm. Like, let, let's, let's leverage that out. Let's plan some things. And when we hit a failure, we'll know, ah, well, we've been risking. Yeah. But I can say too often, it's, you, you don't have any failures you can speak of? Oh, no, everything is excellent. Uh, maybe let's risk a little more. You didn't push to the limit, and you really need to push the limit. There's also a verse here that is very um, related to this. He, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. In the morning sow your seed, and at the evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper. What, what Jerry was sharing, exactly. Same thing, another verse. This or that, or whatever, both alike will be good. Right? It doesn't say all of them, might be all of them, might be just one of them, or none. But if you don't seed, if you don't put that risk seed, it's not going to happen. So don't expect results if you don't take risk. Now with risk, you also have to work with time. You got to understand time. And we put this on purpose here related to risk 
because one very good thing that I like to do is go to a forest. I live in BC. There's a lot of good trees. And man, those trees, they don't exist in Portugal. <laughs> we have an old country, but we don't have old trees. <laughs> but you go to uh, British Columbia, you see trees that are 500 years old, five, you know, 1,000 years old, 1,500 years old. They're old. They're really old. And you look at them, they're just majestic. And you look at from the bottom to top, those roots, and it's just, uh, you know, what a lesson it is to reach that point, that toughness, you know, that strong. How that tree became it was, it took time. Some things take a week. Some things take a life. And understanding time is critical in business. You, it all has to do with your expectations in your brain. If you expect things that should be achieved or realistically will be achieved in 10 years, you expect in one year, you're going to be disappointed. You say, ah, it didn't work out. You know, it was too much risk, whatever. And you just abandon it. But if you understand that some things take 10 years, you will be very happy if it happens in seven, eight years. Danny, you guys have been investing for some time also. And the brand that you built, you want to share something about how long things take? Well, sometimes they take a long time. Sometimes they go pretty quick, and that and that's the flip side of it. I um, one of the things that um, that faced us very quickly in terms of understanding time and how quickly we had to move on something was um, we we were, you always swing for the fences. We just talked about you know taking risk, and we took a big risk and and went to. Um, kind of the preeminent natural and organic space retailer, Whole Foods. At that time, it was, it was doing much better than it is now. It's kind of plateaued now. And we pitched them for national distribution on, on a variety of our products. And they picked up seven of them nationally. And all of a sudden, I realized I don't have, I don't have a sales force. I don't have a broker network that's national. I've got to build it now. Otherwise, I'm not going to be building to allow that time to run and be able to, uh, to have that national framework. And so we had to move very quickly. Uh, Sandra and I got on a plane, and uh, we, we went to eight different locations, trained, put a broker network together, trained, um, and, and taught them how to sell our products because we needed anchor uh, accounts to make sure our distribution would flow all the way through. And so what we did is we said, hey, we're going to invest for the long term. We're going to build this national network, and we want to make sure that that is our platform moving forward to make sure that we're successful as a business. So we had to move very quickly, but the idea was to install a structure that would allow us year to year to continue to build and grow on, on that structure. So you have to understand the quick nature, and then once you plug it in, that that's your basis moving forward in a longer term um, viewpoint. Something I've seen that agriculture has taught me is the idea of fruit-bearing trees. So I recently planted an orchard, and I did it the Ellen White method, and you know, you spend hours planting one tree, and then of, of all those, I had, I think, just one die, and when that one dies, you're like, ah, oh, it's been hours with you, right? But w what I learned was, someone said, hey, when a tree is growing, if you wanted to give, give it maximal life potential, rip the fruit off for the first three years. And you study in scripture, and you study in the writings of Ellen White, and there are some interesting prophetic studies here. Fruit-bearing slash character development, I believe, is a three-year process. If we want to get real specific, it may be that three-and-a-half-year mark. If you're not willing to give your idea 
three and a half years, and even that thought of how do you strip the fruit maybe and reinvest it in the company, keep looking at the long vision, it's probably not your idea. And it may come, come quick. That success may come quick, but you've got to make that decision. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it the best. And I'm going to commit to it for at least three years because in the world of nature, the lesson book has taught me I'm going to give it this much time. I think that's a key thing that a lot of times I've asked myself after an idea, I'm not going to give this three years. So I'm not going to attempt it. Just, just to add to that, to get to the point where we were able to actually make that presentation, um, we spent two years uh, putting together our structure without even being able to sell a product. And that was a tough two years. I mean, we're building all the infrastructure, putting all of it together, you know, and getting to that point where you could have that. Um, it was tough. We just had to say, hey, we're going to persevere. We're going to keep moving through this. And at some point, we'll be able to sell a product. Excellent. Moving on, because time is also moving. Um, the verse here is Ecclesiastes 9:11. I have seen something under the sun. The race is not for the swift or the battle of the strong, nor does the food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant of favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. There's a phrase that I really like, which is secular, which says, be smart enough to get lucky. Okay? So, oh, you're lucky. <laughs> you got to be smart to get lucky. Uh, so that also says there, a chance happened. There's chance that happened to everybody, and you're ready to take opportunity or not. Never stop learning. You know, I usually uh, like to say that I always win in every single deal. Always. Isn't that incredible? I, I always win. I either earn money or experience. <laughs> and sometimes experience is very expensive, you know. Sometimes tuition is very expensive. But this is just the attitude, the positive uh, look at, at it. Because, you know... You always learning. You either learn formally or informally. I always ask questions. Now we are setting up a vegan um, health lounge as a family in, in Lisbon. It's, we hope it's going to be like a like a franchise, not a franchise, but a chain. We set up in Lisbon, and it's a new business for me. So every single place that I go, that I eat, I ask very gently. I think the ways to ask, but I ask, you know, so how many people have you had today? You know. And how many ate this? How many ate that? And how many have sitting? How many rotations do you have? Uh, how much? Even, they, have, they even tell me what's revenue. They tell me sometimes even the profit. Everything. depends on the person. The worst thing that ha can happen is they say, that's near your business. I don't care. Right? I just, so I just ask. So I keep on asking questions. My wife always says to my kids, I keep on asking questions. He says, he, he, here he comes again. Another question, another question. I ask the waitress, I ask the guy that's cleaning, I ask the boss, I ask everybody because that's the way to learn. So I learn formally. I never stop learning. I read magazines, books, audiobooks. I drive, I always hearing audiobooks constantly. I need to feed my brain because I know that certain things I'm not going to remember, but what I do is a consequence of what I have been feeding my brain on. Okay? So I watch no TV. I've been, been like 15 years, no TV at all. And I'm very thoughtful of my time. So my time is, if I have time to feed my brain, it's with good stuff. And it's either through a material or ask questions. Keep, keep, keep on asking questions. Anybody want to add on learning? Yep. Very quick. One of my favorite historical characters um, is Benjamin Franklin. And if you, if you look at Benjamin Franklin, in fact, I, I wrote it down here, his top five inventions. Just listen to the, the difference here that he has. A lightning rod, we all know him for that story. He invented bifocals. 
He invented swim fins, you know, flippers. He invented the urinary catheter. And he invented a Franklin stove, which had less smoke and better heat distribution. You think about the disparate examination of ideas for that. That is the true mind of an entrepreneur. That, that just, that, you know, inquisitive nature to understand and try and learn different things. Very good. The verse, not the verse, this is Ellen White quote that is related to this topic is, do not borrow the productions of other men's brains and pens and recite them as a lesson, but make the most of your talents the brain power that God has given you. You got to, you really use your brain. Don't stop learning. There is no such a thing getting out of school. There is formal, informal school. Do not stop learning. Look at this picture. Look at the detail of this picture. You see the details here? Okay, so this picture is amazing for the next point. If you look at it, it was taken by a helicopter, and you can see a little bit of this side, the left side here. Uh, it's a massive and a horrible outcome. There are some um, containers that are already smashed in the bottom, and you see all this momentum. So this thing is going to go all over the place. Um, and you really have to prepare for these moments. So the theme here is welcome any outcome. We're going to put, you know, prepare for disaster. That's negative. We don't like that. <laughs> so we put just welcome any outcome. In business, when I analyze a business plan, I usually look at revenue because Excel accepts everything, right? It's going more technical. You put Excel, he's your friend. He's put millions and millions of profit. It's amazing. In 20 years, oh, it's billions. It's amazing. And you look at it, wow, I'm going to be amazingly successful. So Excel is your friend. But don't believe it. Excel is very dangerous. So what I do with Excel is I do the business plan conservative. I double the cost, and I cut revenue in half. If it holds, it's okay to continue. <laughs> if it doesn't hold, bad sign. So that's a, a, an idea of the welcome any outcome. You have to be prepared for the worst to happen. In business, some people ask me, you know, why are you thinking about failure? I got to think about failure. I have no emotion about failure. You know? I got to think, what is the worst thing? If I invest a million dollars, can I afford to lose the million dollars? Can you really afford? If I invest $1,000, can I afford it? If you can't afford it, you're prepared for the worst outcome. If you're not afford it, you don't do it. You have to think, what can I afford? Can this guy afford the whole ship is going to tank and it's going to go away, everything? If you didn't think about it, it was not good to go on seas. Anything else for you guys at this point? Okay. So the verse is Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, even to fail. There is a time for everything, and be prepared for everything. Next point on, moving with our time. Delay ratification. Um, does anybody remember uh, Ellen White's quote about this? Because we, I've been searching like crazy. I've read the quote, and I asked my friend Bob that is here. Even we text him, because I think they, we did a trip together. We talked about this. Delaying ratification is such an important thing. You know? Today's society is all about, I want it, and I want it now. Isn't that true? That's what credit cards are all about, right? Just put the plastic on, it's, it's done. You're happy. Leave the store. <laughs> Somebody will pay it. Not even you. <laughs> I don't know. It's tremendous, the pressure that you have to have reward now. And this is the worst thing you can have in entrepreneurship. you got to delay reward. 
there's a quote for that, but probably you guys have some ideas that you want to share. Jerry, do you want to think, share about some of that? Maybe relevant here. Uh, there's, there's a story in Scripture that kind of fascinates me. It's when David knows he's going to be king, and the Lord takes him in to play music for Saul, and it's the worst experience of his life. So you may be in an experience where you're in the worst experience of your life. Your boss is bad, your job is bad, something's bad. That lesson to me for a while, I couldn't figure it out. Then I realized, ah, because once you get in one of those experiences, you realize that delayed gratification, and here's the lesson I get from it. There are times in life when God is going to allow you to be in a situation to learn what not to do. David learned very closely from the Lord, David, because you have dispositions like this man, I want you to see very up close, here's what you do not do when you become king. So you may be in a situation, I've been in some of these, where I think, Lord, this is the worst. Mm -hmm. Take those moments to say, the good times are coming when I will have opportunity to make the decisions, but for now, I'm learning very closely what not to do. <laughs> Danny, anything here? Nope. Oh, sorry, I didn't share this. Uh, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that is far outweighs them all. This is our inspiration, isn't it? Amen? Because this is the holy experience of the Christian life here on earth. Uh, the reward is such an incredible reward you're going to receive that are we willing to go uh, through this experience so painful in this earth. And this is the inspiration. You know, we have this, these... Um, uh, mind games. I use these mind games a lot. I have to tell you this story really quickly. When I run, and I'll get a point on that, I run a lot. And when I run, it's painful sometimes to finish. And when I almost can't make it, I'm really you know, striving and going for it, I think, okay, I'm going to remember this moment. Because when I'm in that negotiating table, I'm going to think, oh man, running was much harder. <laughs> so when I'm at a negotiating table, I think negotiating is much harder. So I'm playing these games back and forth and help me to achieve that's the same thing here. There's, we, we are able to delay the, 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 the Christian reward. In business, you've got to be prepared to also to delay reward. Oops. Oops, sorry. The point is delegate almost everything. <laughs> I delegate like crazy. I love to delegate. And then he teases me about this and I just love to delegate. First, there is much, much more better people doing a lot of things that I do. I'm surrounded by uh, people that I like to be surrounded by people that are much more capable than I. And uh, delegation is critical. You know, this presentation, I didn't do it. I put the ideas on. I'll tell you, you know, we did it together, but my ideas were put on. And my ideas were put on, and I gave it to my daughter to select the pictures. I'm not going to select the pictures. You know? did a great job. <laughs> My daughter is here. Thank you, Katarina. So I gave that, that task to her. And, uh, you know, the delegation is critical in business. You know, I don't have time or mind or even, you know, the talent to select the pictures. There, there are people that do it much better. Why would I do it? So I put the point here for us to discuss, which is delegate almost everything. The critical things that you shouldn't delegate are the ones that you do better than others, and they're really critical for your business. Otherwise, just delegate. Yeah, go ahead, Danny. Quick things. Um, delegation is actually tied to focus. 
obviously, because if there are certain things you can take off your plate, it allows you to focus in, in certain areas that would be like strategic, for example. But I found two things. Number one, when you delegate to someone, you want to make sure that they have a very strong uh, domain expertise in whatever you're delegating to them. And the second thing that I found that's very important is you want to make sure that they're strategically aligned with you. They understand where you're going as a company, what the big idea is. If those two things are, are a part of the, the process with them, you should be able to delegate effectively uh, to people that work for you. Gary, anything in this point? Good? Okay. This is weird. In business, entrepreneur, why do we have this point? Why do we have this point? Point 10. I said it was, it was coming, so we're going to do it now. We've been sleepy for a long time. Let's get up. There's a purpose of this. You guys are all sleepy now. Okay, let's move our legs a little bit. We're not going to oxygenate a lot. Let's jump a little bit. <laughs> okay, you get the point, right? Well, it was tough to be sitting that long, right? Okay, you can sit down. And probably can continue a little bit, uh, at least the walking. It's tough to sit down, isn't it? It's tough. Don't you think so? <laughs> it's tough. Uh, oxygenate your brain. And uh, we put this here because it's actually a business tip. Is it? It is. It is. You know, I've been playing around with this. I've been, um, I've been experimenting with my body a lot last, in the last like five years or so, at least. I do two things, and my kids know about this because I've been preaching to them a long time about this point. Um, first is, uh, I run almost every day. So when I go running, before I run, I think, do I feel like I will run? Do I feel like running? No. Usually, like 90% of the time, I feel not running. No, I don't feel like it. So that's why most people don't exercise. Do you, you want to go when you want to you know, we want to go exercise? No, not really. I have other things to do, right? So I put on a scale 1 to 10. How much do I feel now? How much do I want to run? Usually, my average is 2, 3, 4. 1 to 10 is pretty low. It's like 2, 3, 4, like a 3, a 4. I don't feel like it. And then I go running. And lately, the last 2 or 3 years, I've been using it as a business occasion. My agenda is very full, but I go running for it with a purpose. Because I read a study some years ago, a long time ago. The U.S. military did this, did, this, did this study. They put two groups, and one was running for an hour, and another was not running. And they did the IQ test at the end. Basically, to make a very long story short, the group that run, when they did the test one hour after, in that period of time, they had 20% higher IQ. Because their brains were oxygenated, right? The oxygen in the brain is an incredible thing. It's an incredible. You got to use it. I go run to solve problems. So it's a business tool for me. I have this, this to solve, go run. I can go run. I have this privilege to bless to work from my home so I can go run anytime I want. I just schedule it. So I go at 10, at 2, at 4. It depends. It's just like I want to do it now so I can solve something. The part each one of us did uh, a part of this presentation we put together, my part, I did it in a one-hour run. Seriously, I did it. Because, you know, I was focused on it, I was thinking about it, and just focus, and the, the ideas came out by boom, 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 boom. I have one problem. I have nothing to take notes. 
Then when I come back, I really run to take notes. I don't forget it, right? So the, 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 the power of oxygen in your brain is tremendous. You got to use it. Oxygenate your brain, and you're going to do incredibly well in entrepreneurship. Go ahead, Jared. Yeah, throw something in there. Uh, the president, CEO, founder of Chobani Yogurt talks about how his best ideas come from his hikes in nature. The new Apple campus in Cupertino, this huge spaceship-looking thing. It was literally the apex of Steve Jobs' vision for Apple. Uh, they actually have it so that he said, when it's cool, I want people to know that it's a cool day outside. When it's warm, I want it to be warm. The building breathes. He's planting, uh, not he, Apple is planting 9,000 trees on that campus because of this reason. Steve Jobs says, my best ideas have always come when I'm out in nature. One, one other just very practical tip I wanted to share with you that we do with our marketing and sales staff um, at Vibrant Health Products. We all have stand-up desks. And so what we will do is, is, and we've given them to all of our staff, and I see a number of them use them, but at some point in the day, you know, you've heard that sitting is the new smoking. Um, you need to get up and move your blood around, which is part of oxygenating your brain. In addition to the standing desk, which I, I vary, I do something, I spend a lot of time on the phone, I spend a lot of time on my computer. When I'm on the phone, I'm always standing up and pacing in my office so that I'm moving. And then when I'm on my computer, then I don't feel so bad about sitting. Yeah. And I try and break that up at a, at a regular pace, and that keeps my blood moving, keeps the, the brain oxygenated. So just a practical thing. If you haven't seen a stand-up desk, that might be something to look at. Very good tip, very good tip. The quote from Ellen White says, exercise quickens and equalizes the circulation of the blood. But in idleness, the blood does not circulate freely. It's obvious, right? But we don't think about this. And the change in it, so necessary to life and health, do not take place. So if you want really thriving business, just apply these you know, practical tips and results will yield. They will come. They will come. Eleventh, we're almost there. We have 20 minutes. I think we're on time. We're going to make it. Number 11, seek wisdom first. Um, I was inspired in life by, by, by my dad, many things. And one thing that he taught me was, you know, one thing that you should ask every day, use the Solomon's life experience. If you ask for wisdom, you know, God will give you. But you got to ask. you got to ask. And it's not something that you ask one time, and that's it. I try to ask every single day, every single day. And then you relate wisdom to the challenge that you have in front of you. So you have, you know, things that you have to decide today, this week, this month, this year. And you say, God, give me wisdom in these simple or complicated things. And you seek, you seek that wisdom. If you don't seek, you don't ask, it will simply not happen. And as it happened with Solomon, and the verse is very clear, is, sorry, went back. What does the verse say? Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you, love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. It might cost all you have, but you got to get understanding, and you got to ask. Danny, nothing here? Jared, next point. Schedule health. It's related to the last point, but I want you know, to bring the, 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 the oxygen thing more into a relevance. But schedule health, it's crazy what we do. 
We put everything on top and priorities, and then we might get a serious health problem, and our plans that we had for 10 years, 20 years, are just, poof, done. And it's such a simple thing to do, but you really have to schedule it. You got to be disciplined. And a top tip for entrepreneurship is your discipline and discipline to schedule your health. And White has this incredible quote, which are the uh, New Start principles. Pure air, sunlight, abstemious. Is it like you said in English? Abstemious. Rest, exercise, proper diet, the use of water, trust in divine power. These are the true remedies. So if you have these remedies and you apply them, it, if you look at all of them, it has to do with things that you should do every day. If you don't schedule them, it's going to affect your business. It's going to affect your entrepreneurial career. Believe it. You cannot delay it. Sometimes you delay it for a year, two, three, five. Okay, I'll catch up. I'll catch up. No. Sometimes it will be too late. Anything to add here? That? All right. This is one of the strongest Danny's points. I'm going to give the word to him, but create disruption. We got to be disruptors. Danny, share with us some disruption ideas. This is a really key point to any successful entrepreneurial venture because you have a marketplace that you're trying to look at, say, how can I, how can I get ahead of the pack? How can I be different? How can I be ahead? And um, if you look at Scripture, Scripture is replete with stories of disruption. God uses disruption in, in many different ways. The, the text that we have, go ahead and throw that up, Reuben, um, actually relates to it, and I'll, I'll list a couple of these very quickly, but this, um, this quote actually comes from Acts of the Apostles when it talks about the fact that the Christian church that was at Jerusalem was then pushed out of their comfort zone. There was a huge disruption with the stoning of Stephen um, that God used to actually push the gospel outside of Jerusalem. And let's just look at it together. It says, forgetting that strength to resist evil is best gained by aggressive service. Note, note her words, aggressive service. They began to think that they had no work so important as that of shielding the church in Jerusalem from the attacks of the enemy. But notice this, to scatter his representatives abroad where they could work for others, God permitted persecution to come upon them. Driven from Jerusalem, the believers went everywhere preaching the word. Disruption. If you think about some of the other key disruptive uh, stories in the Bible, the flood. You think the flood was a little bit disruptive? I mean, that's like wiping it clean from the very get-go. Joshua, leading the, uh, Moses and Joshua leading the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land where there were already people there that didn't want to leave. But there was a disruption that happened there. Jehoiada. This is one that I really like. Jehoiada was, was a high priest who saw that the royal line of David had really declined badly. He takes a baby, raises him in private, and, you know, builds up his little coalition, all of a sudden puts him out there at age six or seven or whatever he was and said, hey, here's your new king. That's disruptive. That's highly disruptive. Of course, Christ is the ultimate disruptor, um, and, and uh, you look at what he has done for us. Caleb. Caleb is probably one of my favorite uh, stories because there's so much nuance to it. You look at Caleb and you see the tribe of Ephraim after they've conquered Canaan as a national group of Israel. And the Ephraimites come and say, hey, we're big. We want more space. And they think they're going to be able to, to, uh, to actually sway Joshua because he's from their tribe. 
And he says, no, no, I'm not going to give you any extra. Go conquer it if you want. And taking on that, Caleb comes up and says, hey, I want to take the toughest place with the biggest guys in the, the stone, you know, the, the, the castle up on the hill. Give me that one. And it was just disruptive to the, to the time and the place and the way that, the way that all the other children of Israel were, were you know, saying, oh, just give us this, give us this. He said, no, I'm going to be disruptive. I'm going to set the tone. This is a key, key component of entry, any entrepreneurial strategy, I think. I just want to add on the uh, Caleb story uh, that relates to disruption is another key point that's really with this is get out of your comfort zone, you know. Um, looking at things that I have been uh, doing, I have had results, usually always related to getting out of my comfort zone. If you always do what your comfort is, uh, you, you're going to be pretty, you know, shallow. Uh, the, the fact that you move to an area, you do something that is really uncomfortable for you, that is going to make a change. You're going to be impactful. So I imagine for Caleb, he was a tough man. He, he really had a lot of faith, but he knew it was going to be tough. It was probably out of his, because there were giants there, right? He was not a giant. If you look at the giant, that is almost impossible. But he went out of his comfort zone because he wanted that reward. Jared, anything here? I'd just say something too cage-rattling, but maybe I should say it. Uh, if we don't start to disrupt the world with our message, it will disrupt us and God will still accomplish it, um, particularly with health. Um, there's a statement from Ellen White, if you look up the words, candlestick removed, if we do not lead the health movement, our candlestick will be removed and given to another. So let's disrupt some things. Let's get out there and do it. I, I love Isaiah 59, 19, and just picture this in your mind as I read this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, and I almost picture a battle scene here, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. That's disruptive, highly disruptive. All right, 14, we're almost there. We have 15 to share. Agility, this animal is agile, okay? So be agile, Danny, back to you. Jared? Jared, Eric? Who's going to be agile here? All right, here we go. Here we All go. right. So a story that has fascinated me lately is the story of Abigail. Abigail is married to Nabal. Rich guy. David's men have cared for the flock. They're hungry, and they make a request. Hey, we just need some food if you'll hook us up. And Nabal turns them away. Who's David? He knows exactly who David is. Mm -hmm. Abigail hears this from the servants, and she realizes... We are all dead in the morning if we do not act. And this woman with a spirit of agility acts immediately. She gets the food together. She goes and meets David, and she prevents David from a slaughter that would have been an exceptionally bad thing on his record. Her spirit of kindness in this moment, which is something that is a study I've I would love to talk to you more about sometime. Kindness is the element in the world that is making companies millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. She exhibits this, and she is the example to David. She blows his mind with how quickly she had reacted to this situation. And when he hears that Nabal dies, he says, i got to marry that woman. <laughs>
Well, think about how quick she acted. You can be very agile being diplomatic. Both. You can be really, really hard. Right? Uh, here is the, uh, actually the verse that Jared just shared. The same thing. We got over it. And we have the last one. And the last one is so important and powerful. We might have you know, five minutes for Q&A. I think we're making it right on time. Um, Danny, you want to wrap up with this uh, point 15? So, you know, and this is something that I think speaks to the really essence of what ASI is about, which is sharing Christ in the marketplace. And many times as an entrepreneur or a business owner, you have opportunities to share your faith. And we, we chose and we talked a lot about the word nuanced. And I like, I like the, the meaning around that word. The idea is one, you know, I think of Henry Kissinger, one of my favorite quotes of, from him as a statesman is, nuance is the essence of statesmanship. You know, when you think about what that means, you know, basically you're, you have a really strong understanding of your counterpart that you're having a discussion with. You know, typically many of the people in business that you'll deal with are, are very well educated. Uh, they're people that have been successful. Um, they, have, they have the ability to think and analyze for themselves. And so as you, as you think about how you're going to uh, potentially witness to someone like that, you have to be very nuanced and, and, um, and not put them in a box where you're kind of forcing them into saying, yeah, I'm either going to agree with you or not. You want to give them space to analyze and think and come back to you. And I'll, I'll, I'll give a very brief example, and you guys may have some as well. A good friend of mine who actually was, was part of my downline sales structure worked for me for, for five, six years before he left and started his own business, uh, and I became very, very close. And he was actually, he had a, a, a very strong spiritual background from another faith. We had a lot in common, and uh, we, we talked um, quite in depth uh, multiple times, although I never shared anything that was unique or special about my personal beliefs as a Seventh-day Adventist. He knew I was a Seventh-day Adventist. He was very aware of the fact that we kept Sabbath from Friday night, you know, sundown to Saturday night sundown because we were never at the shows. Never really talked about it much. And then he, um, he experienced the loss of his father. And, uh, you know, sometimes in those critical moments, there is opportunity for nuanced witnessing. And so um, at around the same time, I lost my grandfather. And so we had the chance to sit down and talk a little bit about what that meant, you know, how we related to that, uh, you know, death of someone that's very, very close to you. And in that moment, I was able to share in a very um, nuanced way a little bit about what I believed and why I could relate to, to the fact that I lost my grandfather and still have hope that I would see him again. And I didn't press, I didn't press that, you know, hard. I just left it hang and it kind of let it germinate for a month or two. And um, because he'd left and started his own business, we didn't have regular uh, interactions again. Um, but then there was a client, that, uh, a potential client of his that I recommended to him. And so we started up a conversation again, and I said, hey, he had told me that um, he had a, a, a plane ride in that he could always see where his father was buried whenever he flew back in to where he lived. And I said, hey, I've got something for you um, that you might want to read on your next flight when you're, when you're flying home. And he knew what I meant when I said that. Um, I didn't say anything, I just, and I sent him the book. Um, and it was a book on immortality of the soul and, and what we believe. And I got an email back from him about a week after when he'd received it. He said, thanks for the book. I can't wait to read it um, and looking forward to talking to you about it some more. And so it wasn't where I came in and I pounded and I hammered him and said, here's what the Bible says. I gave him the opportunity to examine it for himself. And if he wants to talk about it with me more, he will. If he doesn't, 
I'm not pushing, but that nuance, understanding how to give that person the ability to move and analyze it for themselves, I think is a real critical component of a successful Christian entrepreneur. Right, Jared, any point here? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, talking about the nuances, there's a, a trend right now with something called social entrepreneurship, where your company does something very openly and publicly, uh, goodwill for the community or for a cause. And it actually is embedded into your company. So you take Tom's Shoes or Warby Parker, you buy something and we also give something somewhere else. I think about that when I read this quote, and, and hear me out. This is Christian Service 148. Ellen White says, The desire to accumulate wealth is an original affection of our nature, implanted there by our Heavenly Father for noble ends. So that desire to get rich is something God puts in us for the desire to give that money to things that God wants you to do. Companies are taking advantage of this and saying, hey, if you help us, we want to help them. So there's, there's a nuanced, overt way in which to share. But what, what fascinates me about that is we, we often have an aversion to discussing wealth and, and maybe even animosity to those who may have it. But when you really think about it, uh, Solomon's words, which are profound to think they're in Scripture, money answers all things. In the book of Ecclesiastes, or, or the King James says, money answereth everything. There is something profound about the, the tool of money that can minister in the world that it may need some further study from us on how and why we maybe haven't fully grasped that, that concept. It also says that, so this yeah. is clearly a loaded subject. Exactly. Yeah. We Completely. 100%. All right, so to wrap it up, uh, you might have uh, some questions or not. We have gone through 15 points uh, just to remind everybody, set goals, focus, constantly persevere, embrace risk, understand the time for that, never stop learning, welcome any outcome, delay gratification, delegate almost everything, oxygenate your brain so you can be ready for tough things, Seek wisdom first, schedule your health, create disruption, be agile, and nuance in your witnessing. Okay? Uh, okay, we need to wrap. Uh, Jared, could you uh, pray for us to end? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Before we do, I want to make a little plug. There are some individuals who have come together to form a venture capital firm to fund endeavors in places in the world where the church is being asked to leave. The only way the gospel will get into these areas is through business. If the Lord has blessed you with money or talent and experience or a willingness to go to places that are not popular to go to, I would love to talk to you over the next few days. I'll be sharing a little more tomorrow night on this. I cannot tell you what it is. I cannot tell you those are involved because heads will be lost unless you talk to me and we can sign an NDA and we can talk more. But this is a burden on my heart that the gospel is being blocked from nations and business is the only way in. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to understand that concept more and more that you shared through Ellen White, that religion and business are not different. They are the very same thing. Help us to understand that. What does that look like? How do we apply that in our lives? And Lord, how does the gospel 
translate into a transformed community where when people come amongst us, they recognize we are the kindest people in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.